So, so they keep like the name Buster. We're thinking about it. Oh. <laughs> We're leaning towards it. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to Bible Baptist Church. Excited to see everybody today. Um, please turn your hymn books to 180. Please and thank you, 180. We'll all stand together, 180, sing as loud as we can. It's a beautiful day. Let's glorify the Lord today, 180. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over from the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 From the dawn till setting sun Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care And when all of life is over And our work on earth is done And the roll is called up yonder I'll be there When the roll is called up yonder When the roll is called up yonder Praise the Lord. All right, we'll have uh, Mr. Elliot. Would you pray for us? Yeah, thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. Thank you for the souls that are assembled here today. The Lord, would you bless our time? Be with pastors. He preaches the word of God to us. And thank you again for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Please stay standing with me and please turn your hymn books to 264. And amen, 264. All right, 264. <clears throat> Solid rock. Mm, amen. It's Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the Son. Sinking sand, all other ground is sinking. 
sinking sand When darkness veils his lovely face I rest on his unchanging grace In every high and stormy gale My anchor holds within the veil On Christ's solid rock I stand Praise this Lord. Uh, praise the Lord. Though so this world is sinking sand, let's build ourselves on a solid rock, Jesus Christ. Amen. Foundation of His Word. All right, you may be seated. We'll have a Pastor come up for announcements. All right, just a few things to cover with you, real quick. Um, next week, so we've been talking for several weeks about starting a choir, getting a uh, it may be more of an ensemble for a little while, but eventually, prayerfully, it grows into a full-blown choir. So next week, after the morning service, anyone who's interested uh, in participating in that, um, I encourage you to come. Kids are welcome, so it's not just adult. It's, it's anybody who would like to sing with us, and uh, I hope, praying that many people will want to be involved. Uh, so it'll be a blessing, but so that's next week, the 12th, um, also June 13th, ladies meeting, mm -hmm. still good for that. Okay. Ladies meeting on June 13th. That's next Monday night, I think. Yeah. Okay. Monday. And then June 25th is men's prayer breakfast. That is the last Saturday of the month. And I did want to share, so you'll have to probably get with me later to get this figured out, but, um, we do have a church app now, so it's kind of a new thing. Um, but with the accounting software, we swapped from QuickBooks to this actual church accounting software. Um, there's a, it includes the functionality to have a free church app included with it. So, um, you just download it on your phone. You get a little icon says Bible Baptist church. You click on it and it goes right to, uh, you know, if there's any events coming up it'll pop up as our theme, it's got a link to the church website, to online giving. It's also got a link to our YouTube page and our Apple Podcasts uh, thing. So you can just click on it and it pops you right into those things. So it's just kind of a quick, you also have an online church directory. So any information that folks have, so you can go and you can find someone in the church, their phone number, if we have it in there, address. Um, 
And then uh, there's also, um, you can look at your giving records too. If you want to see like your giving records from the past. So uh, as long as there are some. Um, so anyways, all that, just kind of some, some functionalities, helpful, kind of a handy tool. So we'll have that on there. Um, and we may add more to it as time goes on, but that's kind of what we got so far. So, all right. I think that is all of the announcements. So we'll take up an offering. If we can have our ushers or usher... We can have our usher start ushering. <laughs> I'm just teasing. All right, Caleb, can you pray for the offering, bud? Yes, sir. God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Uh, please bless the service, Lord. Please help the pastor to preach well, Lord. Please bless the offering, Lord, and help us to have a wonderful day today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you could please stand with me, we're going to stand, um, sing 287, please and thank you. We'll stand, we sing better when we stand, we sing better when we stand, and uh, sing better for the Lord. 287, please, 287, I surrender all, 287, I surrender all.
surrender, make me Savior, only Thine. May Thy Holy Spirit fill me, may I know Thy power divine. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender, Lord, I give myself to thee, fill me with thy love and power, let thy blessings fall on me. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. All right. We have a special, the trio, Tammy and Elizabeth. God I love, 
turtle, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Oh, that day when, free from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face, clothed in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry, take my ransom soul away, even so, Lord, come and carry me to realms of endless day. They sang that yesterday at Elijah's graduation, and of course Elijah plucked it too on one of the verses. And then that last verse is kind of an addition. It's not in our hymn books. It's in the uh, Psalms and Hymns and Spiritual Songs book, I think is what it is. Um, Brother Faggart sang it when he was here because it's not in our hymn books. It's not in, I don't know, 99% of the hymn books out there. But that fourth verse, for some reason... Um, a lot of the hymn books have removed some of the verses just for, uh, you know, because usually in a church service you try to keep your song service apparently kind of condensed so that you still have time to get to the preaching and the announcements and all that stuff. So I don't know if that one was removed for that reason or if it was removed for some other reason. Uh, but somewhere along the lines it got removed and has kind of been forgotten. But that last verse, boy, I think it's my favorite now. It's just such a... A blessing, talking about when the Lord comes back and talking about uh, being clothed in blood-washed linens and thankful, thankful for the Word of God, thankful for our Savior. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. We're going to continue in Ephesians. We're in chapter 2 today. Ephesians chapter number 2. And uh, we are going to look at... I thought I would do 10 verses, but... We got through seven. We're going to get through seven today. Uh, we'll go with that and see how it uh, how it works out. All right. Sorry about that. I should have dismissed them, but I never remember. They usually just get up and go. But, hmm. All right, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 7. Let's go ahead and stand together. Um, we'll read these verses, pray, we'll be seated, and we'll get into the message. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, <laughs> even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. 
Thank you for everyone who's here and for the privilege and the opportunity we have to gather and, uh, Lord, to assemble and to worship you and sing praises to you and study your word together. And Lord, I pray this morning that as I do my very best to proclaim the truths that you have for us in this passage, I pray, Lord, that ultimately you would be honored and glorified, that your word would be lifted up and that we would get something from you that you want us to receive today that would uh, both affect us spiritually and transform our lives here on this earth. Lord, we just ask you to do it. We pray that you'd help us that you challenge us and that you'd speak to us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> all right, in our passage here, uh, the audience that's being addressed, we know because this is the letter to the church at Ephesus, we know that the church, uh, that that is the audience, the church at Ephesus. And under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, God, through the pen of Paul, is dealing with with some things that God has both done for them and uh, what they once were. And I will tell you, I was studying up in my, my office. It's a little corner in our bedroom where I've got a desk and a place for my computer and some books and stuff. And I'm up there studying to, uh, a couple days ago, a few days ago, and I'm reading this passage and I get to this one point and I just fall apart. <laughs> I just start crying over how good our God is to us. And I'm sitting up there and I'm like, I'm glad I'm by myself because this is embarrassing. I can't even control myself. I'm just sobbing over, over these words and what God has done for us. And then I think it was later that day or the next day, I'm telling, we're eating dinner and I'm telling the kids and Erica about it and I'm, I can't even talk. I just start, so forgive me. I really felt like I was good down there. I'm like, I'm going to keep it together today. And then I read through it and I'm, I already feel myself going. So Bear with me if I struggle. I'm going to do my best to keep it together. But I am just so thankful. And we are so blessed by how good God has been and is to us every single day. The word quickens an important word. It comes up a couple times in this passage. And uh, it's going to pretty much define it for us. But we'll look at at least another passage that, to, that kind of more clearly tells us, I think, what this word means so we understand what God has done in us and for us. Um, so we're going to get right into it. I'm not going to take a long time to introduce it. Um, so verses two and three says, and you, uh, sorry, verse, well, verse one, we already read, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We know who needed to be quickened, those who were dead in trespasses and sins. We know who has been quickened, at least partially. It's going to specify a little further those who were dead in trespasses and sin. So we'll, we'll get a little more into that as time goes on. Our theme this year, remember, is walk worthy out of Ephesians 4.1. If we read verses 2 and 3, it says, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all <laughs> had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So there's a reason why I believe God deals so frequently, particularly in the New Testament, about uh, with our walk. Walk worthy. In Colossians, it says that we would walk, I think it says, to all pleasing, or in essence, that we walk pleasing the Lord. There's a reason why God deals with our walk, which is, Essentially, how we live our lives, what we do each day as we step by step live our lives, it's because of what our walk used to be. 
And God wants our walk now to be different than it used to be. He wants it to be such that we would please the Lord, such that we would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That's what it says in Colossians. And in Ephesians, it's walk worthy, uh, where, uh, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you have been called. In so many places, in, in Ephesians, I think it's five times it deals with our walk. In other uh, of the New Testament epistles and New Testament books, it deals with our walk. I think a lot of it is because our walk once was something else. And our walk should be now different than it used to be. And it is by our walk that people see how we're living our lives, that people know that we are Christians. It's, it's because of our walk. Because it's not according to the world. It's not what their walk is. And they see that and they recognize there's something different. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, we should be different. And uh, we are different. We're going to see that more here in a little bit. Before we were saved, we were, of course, different than we are now. I've already kind of got ahead of myself. So well, who needs notes? Why do I even put them down? If we look at Romans chapter number 7, keep your place in Ephesians. But if you look back to Romans chapter number 7, we're not going to read a lot of it. But the Apostle Paul is essentially sharing some of his own testimony and some of the struggles that he has. And we know who the Apostle Paul was. We know who he is in God's word. He is the man that God used to pen over half the New Testament. He is a man of God. He went to the Gentiles. Peter, who was one of the inner three, messed up, made some unwise choices, and, and uh, Paul corrected him. You know, Paul got after him over in the book of Galatians. He tells us, I withstood him to the face. I got up on Peter and I told him, what you're doing is wrong. You need to change your actions. You need to do some things differently. And not that Peter was a bad man. Don't get me wrong. He was a godly man. Uh, but like every man, he was not perfect. And we don't see recorded in God's word things that Paul necessarily did wrong other than here when Paul, through the Holy Ghost, shares his own testimony. And he, he says, that which I want to do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, I do. And down at the end of the chapter, here in verses 24 and 25, he says, O wretched man that I, notice what it says, that I am. O wretched man that I am. He doesn't say that I was, which don't get me wrong, we were. We sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Uh, we were wretches before we were saved. The Apostle Paul is saying he's still a wretched man, even though he's saved. Why? Because of the old flesh. The flesh is still, is still wicked. The flesh has not been redeemed. He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He's saying, my flesh is still unregenerate. It is still unredeemed. But over in chapter 8, when he deals with adoption, he talks about the redemption of our body. So that kind of brings in that next section, but we've, we've already covered that in weeks past. We won't cover it again today. But the Apostle Paul even admits he's not perfect. He fails. So when we read this, I wanted to share that because I don't want us to think that the expectation is that we never fail, that we never sin. We all sin. We all fall short, even though we are saved. Our old walk guided us under the influence 
of the prince of the power of the air. It tells us again, verse two, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Who's the prince of the power of the air? It's Satan, right? It's the enemy. He was our father before we got saved, the Bible tells us. We, we followed after him and we lived according to him. There was a time where essentially whether we, whether we realized it or not, he was our God. He was our master. And we did as he, as he wanted us to do. We acted out and lived according to the flesh. It's according to this passage, he still works in the children of disobedience. And before we get, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Colossians 3, 6 says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Those who are under the control, who are under, under the influence of Satan are going to come. Uh, they are going to uh, experience the wrath of God. They are going to experience the judgment of God. Those who reject Christ as their Savior will one day experience the wrath of God. Those are the children of disobedience. But before we get too hard on them, notice what the next verse says in our Ephesians passage, verse number three. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's what we were. Not our. We were the children of wrath, even as others. We did walk according to the, uh, the spirit, or we were controlled by the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air. We were at least influenced by him we walked according to the course of this world we were our conversation in times past was through the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind that conversation doesn't mean only what we say although that's part of it it's talking about how we lived our lives what our behavior was like it was the same as the rest of the world well i never did this or that it doesn't matter we did a lot of things we shouldn't and what controlled us, that's what it's really dealing with. What controlled what we did was not God or his word. It was the lust of our flesh and the lust of our minds. If we did what we wanted to do, what satisfied our carnal desires, our lustful desires and our lustful nature. And lust can deal with any desire towards sin. It doesn't just deal with what you might be thinking it does, just to be clear. So the word conversation overall behavior, how we live our lives. We used to live just like the people because we were those people. We were the children of the devil. We were the children of disobedience. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's what the Bible tells us. We once were. And because of that, we all were going to die and spend eternity in hell. We used to live after our Flesh, the lust of the flesh, we cared only about fulfilling our flesh and our mind's desires. We were the children of disobedience. In Romans 6, 17, it says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Yep, delivered you. Again, we can still sin. Paul did, according to Romans 7, Paul still fell short. He still would fulfill the lust of the flesh, and he still, even though he wanted to do right, did not always do right. And even though he didn't want to do wrong, sometimes he did. That's just the nature that we have to battle. Galatians tells us, 
that the flesh and the spirit are contrary one to the other and they are warring with one another. We're, we are in a war. Someone who is born again but tries to live in the world, they're carnal and I believe they are miserable because they want to fulfill the flesh and are trying to fulfill the flesh and satisfy the flesh's desires, but at the same time the Holy Spirit is indwelling them, trying to reprove them, trying to correct them, trying to steer them from their sin, and they have this battle raging in them. 1 Corinthians 3.3 3 says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not are ye not carnal and walk as men? So Christians can still live in the flesh. Christians can still live according to the flesh. But we don't want to. So this tells us what we once were. We were, I'm going to repeat it one more time. Time passed, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, but God. <laughs> Praise the Lord for those two words. Because of what we were, who we were, what we were destined for, the wrath of God, all those things, that described who we were and what was in our future. But God. If it were not for God, that is all we would ever know and all we would ever have. <laughs> Verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. What a wonderful, wonderful God. Amen. Such precious words and so often we find them to be in response to something that could be, would be, or was, or is horrible. They then set the stage for something wonderful. Our text here fits this bill. We just saw some pretty terrible things uh, about ourselves, what we were, who we used to be, how our walk was, what we had planned for our future, uh, the wrath of God, who we were, the children of disobedience. We had all those things. But God, who is rich in mercy, thank God that he was. We saw all those things in those two words, but God. We understand mercy is the withholding of judgment. How does God withhold judgment to those who are due judgment? He is, after all, a just God. He does it through forgiveness, which is made available through his son, Jesus Christ. And we can be thankful for that. Psalm 51.1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness." According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. It is by God's mercy that he's, he forgives sins, that he's able to blot them out, or in our case, wash them away so they are gone. Now, there's a reason why we get to read such an incredible verse and passage. It's because of God's great love. It said, uh, but God who is rich in mercy doesn't end there. He's rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. God's love is what causes him, it's what enables him to be merciful to you and I. If God was not love, there would be no mercy. <laughs> it would just be judgment. There would just be wrath. But because of God's love, he is merciful to us. 
We can be thankful for that. I pray we're exceedingly thankful for God's love toward us. Over in Titus chapter 3, turn with me over to Titus, the book of Titus chapter number 3, right after 1 and 2 Timothy. Titus chapter number 3, the first eight verses, we'll just read verses 1 through 8. It says, but, no, put, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Here we are, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Not necessary for salvation, but they are good and profitable unto men. Maybe next week when we get through the next few verses in this passage, we will look at those again because they cross-reference well to this text. But we once were, but because of God, we are different. 1 John 4, 7 to 10, I'll just read them. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. True love. And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Sins, plural. Propitiation means the only acceptable substitute. See, if we didn't get saved, if we never trusted Christ as our personal Savior, we would pay for our sins for all of eternity. Because us paying for our sins is not an acceptable payment, so it never ends. If, if we could pay for our sins, truly pay for our sins, then there would, be a, there would be a cutoff where the payment was made and then we wouldn't need to keep paying. But there is no end to our payment because it's not sufficient. So for all of eternity, we would pay for our sins. So, but instead, Jesus Christ, who is God, is the only acceptable substitute. And he was able to take not only my sins and your sins, but the sins for all mankind, for all, from all of time. I was going to say eternity, but that wouldn't be accurate. From time. Because time will one day cease to exist. And there was a time before time 
where it didn't exist. For all of time, the sins of all man for all time, he took upon himself. There's not a limit to the number of human beings who can get saved. Every man's sins have been paid for. It's just up to each man, woman, child to trust Christ as their own personal Savior so they can receive that payment applied to their account. It can, be, it can be for them. Verse number five, even when, this sounds a lot like the first verse, we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. He loved us even when we were dead in sins. There's another verse that sounds a little bit like uh, Romans 5, 8. But God, remember those two words? But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did we deserve it? No, but God. Do we deserve salvation? No, but God. Do we deserve to be different than what we once were? Nope, but God, who is rich in mercy. Thankfully, God is good. He quickened us together with Christ so that... Uh, so. What is it to be quickened? We understand it's something that God does, and he does it for those who were past tense, dead in their trespasses and sins. So those who were dead, both times the word quickened is used in this text, it deals with we were dead, we are now quickened. So what is quickened? If we jump over to 1 Corinthians 15, turn back just a couple of books, 1 Corinthians 15... Dealing with the resurrection of the body, there were some who doubted the resurrection. We talked about the resurrection, and we've, we've seen some of these verses in the past, you know, a few weeks ago, several weeks ago. 35 and 36, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. This body has to die before it can be quickened and made new and changed well spiritually what it's talking about in ephesians not physically but spiritually we were already dead in our trespasses and sins and we have been raised to a new life we have been raised to life through by being joined together with jesus christ according to ephesians chapter number uh no, ephesians chapter number two we have been joined together, what did it say, verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. We received eternal life the day we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Everlasting life. Everlasting life, you know what that word means? It's really tricky. It means it's everlasting. <laughs> it never ceases. You know what eternal life means? It means that it is life eternal. It will never end. And we are able to have those because of Christ. Uh, I was listening to some preachers uh, through a podcast, and they were talking about just kind of a brief stint. They, they talked about eternal security, which that's how we know it. It's eternal security. It means that you never lose your salvation. And one of the pastors said, I, he goes, I don't call it eternal security anymore. He goes, that's not a Bible word. And he said, when we say, well, the doctrine of eternal security, we give the impression that there's other doctrines. So maybe we're wrong about eternal security. But he said, it's eternal life. It's everlasting life. That's what the Bible calls it. And by saying 
eternal security, well, then there's also not eternal security, but the Bible just defines it for us. Eternal life is eternal life. It never ends. Everlasting life is everlasting life. It never ends. So why do we got to label it with something that isn't even in the Bible, a name that isn't even in the Bible? We know what it means, but the Bible tells us in the very name of salvation that it is eternal life. It is everlasting life. And for us to have to go and try to explain it outside, we don't need to. The Bible defines it for us. And I, I like that. I'm going to try to train my brain to just call it what it is, according to the Word of God. Everlasting life. Exactly. Yes. I give unto them eternal life. It's not something that we earn or that we buy or that we can do anything for. It is given to us. Romans 5 says, I think, close to a dozen times, gift or free gift. That's exactly what it is. It's not something that we, we can get for ourselves. It is a gift. Why? Because God is rich in mercy. And we can be thankful, so thankful for what God has done for us. We were already dead, but we have been quickened. We have been raised to life, everlasting life, eternal life that never ends. Verse 6, that's what quickened is, by the way. Verse 6, and hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've been given spiritual life. We're born again and a part of the kingdom of God. Positionally, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. After all, he is in us and we are in him. Our life and action should be with the understanding that our home is in heaven. It is not of this world. Right. So our home is not here. Our citizenship, our residence... I love the United States of America. I'm thankful that God had me be born an American and that I get to enjoy the freedoms in this country. But I also know that in the word of God, we don't see America clearly described or, or called out in the word of God. Does that mean I believe that it's not going to exist during my life? I don't know. We might be raptured out of here before that day comes. One day, this is going to be just one, one world government, right? Mm -hmm. One world religion. What's that? Very quickly. Very quickly, right. The day of those things is drawing closer. And uh, we are going to be off this planet. And when I'm in heaven, I'm not going to be pining for the United States of America. I'm not going to be up there going, man, I wish I could be back on earth flying the old red, white, and blue flag. That's not what's going to be in my mind. What's going to be in my mind is like what we sing about, that we will still be praising the Lord for what he has done for us. I love to tell the story of unseen things above. I think it's in the last verse. It says that even when I'm there, I'll still love to tell the story because it will be because of what he did for me. And the fact that we're born again and saved down here that we get to spend all of eternity with him. And when he comes and sets up his millennial reign, we'll be ruling and reigning with him here on this earth. Uh, we won't be missing what, what we had here. We will be thankful for what we have in him for all of eternity. Philippians 3, 17 through verse 21 says, Brethren, we can turn there. We're not far from Philippians. Philippians 3, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we flip over one. Uh, next, next book, Philippians 3, 17 through 21. It says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk 
of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation, our life, our behavior is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. This is a future thing that's going to take place that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So, what we once were, what many in the world are, and then the pointing to the fact that our conversation, the way we live our life should be with our focus on him, and what one day eternity is going to involve for us, not on making this place the best we can possibly make it uh, for us now. And I don't get me wrong. Doesn't mean we shouldn't vote. Doesn't mean we shouldn't participate in the things that we need to to try to keep our liberties and freedoms uh, current. It doesn't mean we shouldn't witness to our neighbor. Uh, you know, Pastor Wiley used to say when I was the assistant there, he'd say, you want to change your town, you want to change your state, you want to change your country, lead your neighbor to Christ. That will do more than marching on the Capitol with their firearms and, you know, what, what are they going to do? Jump up on their Humvees and their armored tanks with their 50 calibers and wipe out the crowd. You know, I mean, what, what are we going to do in that? Well, we can lead our neighbor to Christ. And we can teach our neighbor to lead their neighbor to Christ. And we can teach that help teach that you know if we were as focused on getting the gospel out and i'm preaching to myself too i'm not saying that i'm perfect or even great at this i have two neighbors that are not christians the ones across the street are sodomites the one next one's next door or i don't know what you call them they're they're not christians i can tell you that they are antichrist uh you know the kids used to witness to their kids. We've given them tracks, invitations to church, and they just they don't want anything to do with it. They got after the kids for witnessing to their kids and teaching them the Bible. They said, I, we don't want you talking to our kids about that stuff. Um, they were like six at the time, six, seven, eight years old, you know. Um, so very against it, work in the public school system, and uh, it's sad. Anyways, and the ones on the other side, they're Christians, but they were when they moved in. So we can't take credit for that, but... We need to be faithful about witnessing and understand our neighbor doesn't just mean that person that lives directly next to us, but it's the people that we come in contact with every day. Right. Verse seven, our final verse, and we'll be done that in the ages to come, there is time that is going to play out in day, the days ahead that has not come to pass just yet. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Mercy has to do with his forgiveness and withholding judgment. Grace has to do with all the blessings that we don't deserve that have been bestowed upon us. Um, some use the acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. Or unmerited favor is the dictionary definition. There are future blessings to come. There are so many things we haven't even experienced yet that God has in store for us. You know, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians. I think it's in 1 Corinthians. I have not seen 
ear hath not heard, neither have, en have entered into the heart of man the things that God has for them who uh, trust in him, I think. What's that? Prepared for them that trust him, or I think that's what it said. And uh, God has recorded in his word a lot of the things that he has prepared for us. Our eye hasn't seen it, our ear hasn't heard it, and it hasn't entered into our heart, but a lot of it's in his word. We just got to find it and read about it. And there's more that I believe we have to look forward to that he hasn't given us in his word. We have so much to look forward to. We have so many things to be grateful for. And many of the things that we're going to enjoy will be in eternity. So, quickly, let me say this. We have limited time on this earth. We have forever in eternity. How can we make the most of the time that we have here for Christ? He's done everything for us. Uh, I meant to have you talk about it this morning, but I forgot. Elijah's got a outreach. Uh, it's They're calling it a competition, but it's kind of a state-to-state -state competition. And it's uh, it's called Phil New England, and a bunch of the independent Baptist churches, uh, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, I think that's yeah, all yeah. of them. Is Connecticut in there too? It is. Um, all distribu distributing gospel tracts. And each week, have they emailed you back? Yeah, no, no. All right. Well, he tried registering us. Even if we don't get registered, we can still participate. Yeah, and the, the whole point for me, I believe for our church, the point of it is not for us to try to win a competition. I think all it is is bragging rights, which I don't care about. We shouldn't be prideful, and that's what bragging is, right? It's pride. Um, so it's the whole state of Maine. It wouldn't be just our church. It's all the churches in the state of Maine. The, the whole purpose of it is to try to get as many tracts given out in the Northeast, in New England, as possible uh, to get the gospel into people's hands. And one of the requirements is you have to give it to a person. You can't leave it on the back of a urinal or toilet or leave it in a gas pump or which... I leave them in a gas pump sometimes. I don't throw them on the back of the urinal. But uh, we, can, we can't leave them places and count that giving out a track. It's person to person. Um, yeah, it starts on the 12th of June, I believe. And then ends on July 10th. No getting up passing for them. No. That's, that's not the... But the, the whole point of it is to try to... I mean, at the end of it, it will be neat. For me, what will be neat is to hear how many gospel tracts were given out over the course of that month. And I don't, I mean, we're a small church. It's not like we're going to be competing with, you know, the big churches down in Mass or Connecticut. But we can contribute. And at the end, it's not about what state wins. For me, it's about how many people are going to receive the gospel during that month. And the goal is not that we get wrapped up in the competition but that we get wrapped up in giving the gospel to people. And that when the month is over, we have created a habit to be thinking about this person needs Christ. That person needs Christ. This person needs Christ. We just saw in several passages what we used to be. We saw that we don't deserve what we have now, but God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith he loved us, has given us what we don't deserve. And how did we receive it? Because someone told us. Because someone shared with us.
because God worked in our heart, drew us to himself, and we trusted Christ as, as our personal Savior, our responsibility is to tell others how they can have that same free gift. So my prayer is, our prayer is that through the month, today's the 5th, so it starts in like 7 days, we will be faithful at giving the gospel out. So prayerfully we can do that. But I am thankful for those words, but God. And it seems so uh, simple, but if it were not for those two words, we would still be what we used to be. But we're not. Thankfully because of God. Not because of me, but because of him. All right, that's what I have for today. We'll go ahead and pray, have a moment of invitation, and then we'll dismiss for lunch. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that we are not what we used to be. We have been changed. We've been transformed. We've been made new. We have been quickened. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God hath quickened us. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in the lives of those who have trusted you as a personal Savior. And Lord, I pray, one, if someone's here today that doesn't know you, that they would get saved. But B, that those who are saved, which I believe most, if not everyone here is, Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to share our faith with others. And I know that it's difficult and it can be hard and it can be a struggle. But Lord, according to your word, you are long-suffering. As we talked about in Sunday school, and your long-suffering deals with you suffering long as men sin and turn their back on you and reject you on this earth, and yet you just keep waiting and giving time for men to repent and trust you as their Savior. God, I pray that you'd bear that fruit in our life through the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. that we would be faithful to keep going forward and sharing our faith in spite of the rejection, in spite of the, the ridicule, in spite of the harshness that men and women might have towards us. Lord, I pray we'd be long-suffering and keep on pressing on, sharing our faith. Lord, I pray that we are thankful for all that you have done for us and what you've accomplished in our life. Before we close the prayer this morning, is there anyone that would slip up their hand and say, Pastor... I don't know for sure today that I have trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. I know I want to spend it with God. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I know I'm confident we're all Christians that are here in the room. So how about our faithfulness in witnessing or sharing our faith or handing someone a gospel tract? You don't have to raise your hand. I know I need to do better. I know I can be more faithful and more obedient. We have much to be thankful for. And so often it is our gratitude in what God has done for us that helps to motivate us to want to share with someone else. When we're newly saved, that gratitude is often at its highest. And we're, it's, it's a lot easier for us to give out our faith as time goes on. We kind of lose that zeal. We get complacent in our faith. And I don't want to be that way. I want to.
to keep that joy and that zeal and be faithful to share. Let's just take a couple minutes, give folks a little time to pray, and then I'll close us out. Father, thank you for your goodness and for the blessings that you've given us. And Lord, thank you that we can have joy because of you and what you've done for us. And thank you, Lord, for forgiving our sins, for your mercy, and for the grace that you have bestowed upon us, Lord, the blessings that we have to one day come in the future. And Lord, even now, we have so much to be thankful for. God, I pray that we'd be faithful to be about your business. I know, Lord, we've said before, but you didn't save us just to take us to heaven. And in reality, you didn't save us to just make the life that we live on this earth wonderful and, and to make it easy or to make it uh, fun. Lord, you saved us and you kept us here on the earth to serve you and to live for you. And one day, you will take us home to be with you and we'll enjoy all of the fulfillment of all the blessings that you have for us. But right now, Lord, life is still hard. It is still difficult at times. But we have work to do that you've called us to, you've commanded us to, and I pray we'd be faithful to do it. I'm thankful, Lord, for all that you've done for us and for your goodness and grace towards us. Lord, bless the rest of our day. Bless the food to our bodies. Bless the fellowship. And Lord, thank you for each one who's here today. We ask these things and pray them all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.